Welcome to the official podcast of ToyPhotographers.com, where we talk to photographers from around the globe about turning action figures, Lego, miniatures, and more into fantastic works of art. Well, welcome to the Toy Photographers podcast. Um, this is Shelly, and I am joined by my friend, Janine Lee from Australia, and we are going to have a little bit of a different discussion today. We are discussing a book by Cal Newport called Digital Minimalism that Janin brought to my attention. So uh, Janin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Shelley. It's a, it's a pleasure. And, um, and this, this book and what Cal speaks about is something that I think in the toy photographers community, especially if we are quite involved on social media, can, can take some ideas out of and, um, and maybe apply it to, to our lives. I hope that I hope that we can do that. So I was attracted to this book because I've always been fascinated by your periodic digital what what would you call them detox vacations yeah, detox breaks yeah can you talk about that a little bit and why you do that yeah so I think I think firstly um, I have to mention that uh, I'm not uh, anti social media or anti um, platforms that we use these days. Um, but I find that um, I, since I started using Instagram about three years ago, uh, I just found a need to take uh, breaks during the year. And, and it's, I think it's results from feeling a bit exhausted at times and creatively as well. It's good having some time off it. So the way I, I, I structured it was I would take two month long breaks during the year and um, just being off social media, uh, off Instagram and, and Facebook mainly. And um, I think having a break as well just, just gives time and space to other um, inspirations. So looking at uh, reading other books, um, it might be uh, just exploring different techniques even um, in, in photography, not just toy photography, but just different areas of it. You actually did it? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I do it. Um, I've been doing it since... 2017 yeah so taking two breaks during the year but what was different in, in in and we can talk about it later i think as the question as we go through some of the questions which was mentioned in the book that there's a there's a difference between a detox and declutter so i felt that what was what i was doing was was more a detox was taking a break off it just cutting it off for a while but then after that, that month-long break, I would, you know, get back into, I guess, the, the old habits of how I use um, social media. So with, with the book itself, it talks a bit about not just going back to what we were doing before, but how we can uh, apply a different philosophy to it. So I think that's, that's what really caught my attention. A brief synopsis for our listeners is Cal Newport's theory is you need to just break from all social media, from your phone and everything on it and for an entire month and then see what happens, see what you truly miss and then carefully add back in only the aspects of whatever you were doing on your phone previously, just add the only the ones that are most important to you so that you end up on the other side with a minimal digital experience. Did I cover, do you think I got that? Is that about right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. In, in, um, in essence, digital minimalism is about 
being uh, really selective in our use of technology, um, picking only the things that, that, that adds value or serve the things that are important to us. And I think the second part, which is really important, is just uh, being happy in letting go of the other thing. It's hard to do. I will full full confession here that before I I, I did not do the full break like he recommended. I'm I'm not prepared to do that at this time because the phone is too much a part of my business. Did minimize everything, but I went from seven to eight hours a day on my phone and various social in various activities, and now I'm down under three. That's a, that's I feel a pretty good, good about that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and I'm guessing as well that extra three to five hours that you that you gain could be put for investing in other areas of your life that is going to give you more satisfaction at the end of the day as well. It, it, it's actually more than that. This is this is kind of the interesting thing that's kind of been happening over the last couple of weeks as I'm experiencing less. I'm picking up my phone less. I'm I'm, and I think what Cal is most sort of against is that what we might refer to as doom scrolling or passively just taking in whatever it is that's on there. I mean, we can all debate whether or not getting instant answers off of Google is, is good or bad, but it's the, the passively just taking in whatever's being fed to you. That's his argument is against that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I, and I think it's about, um, it's about looking at um, these platforms with, a bit more critical eyes, because I think when when we get, um, like you mentioned, scrolling for for you know half an hour, minutes, or you know, it somehow just extends to a much longer period than we intend. For example, I might pick up my phone to to say I just want to post something on Instagram, but what I end up doing is before I post, oh, something pops up and I scroll and then I scroll and then I just fall into that loop, and it's it's understanding that um, like this book makes me realize that it's not me actually. It's yeah, partly my choice, but also behind there, there is this billions of dollars that's poured into creating that, that experience and creating that, that trap that keeps us hooked on it. And, um, and, I, and I guess it's realizing that um, it's not really us. It's, it's actually the system. There's something in the design of it. You get to the, you just, Okay, I mean, my head is a bit spinning because there's so many aspects of this book that just like make me just go off on tangents. But you yeah. really got to the nub of it there is like, we're supposed to just throw our phone away. We're supposed to just, you know, it's our responsibility. If we're on our, on our phone for endlessly scrolling, that somehow it's because we're weak, we're the ones with the problem. But with this book and the the social dilemma and some of these other sort of things that are coming out is mm. pointing out that these platforms are designed to suck us in and keep us there as long as possible, even if we don't want to be there. Yet we're yeah. the ones who are made to feel bad. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that's that's the um, I don't know. I I, I find that um, since I started. You know, making friends and knowing people in, in the in the toy photography community on, on Instagram, I, I do notice that um, over time you see people get burnt out, uh, or drop off from 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 it, and, and it could be a variety of reasons. It could be you know just seasonal things, stage of life, 
other responsibilities, commitment. But I think there's a, there seems to be a common thread that I hear that comes up is feeling burnt out by it, which is puzzling because um, if you look at, at, at social media, it's meant to, you know, it's, it's meant to be a socializing thing. It might be similar to hanging out with friends on the weekend or um, catching up with, with family. But there's something about it that, I don't know, just doesn't feel quite right. And, and um, it's a design of it. It's a design of it. And, and there's so much in the book where he's talking about, and um, it's connection versus conversation. And social media is all about connection and making these light touches, these, these like, um, uh, like a text messaging back and forth, hey, or like in the toy photography communities, hey, like your photo, nice job, looking good, yeah. that kind of stuff. But that's, that's not, when all said and done, that's not meaningful. It's not the kind of meaning that we as humans crave. Like, like you and I having this conversation right now is, is, a, is a meaningful conversation. Unfortunately, we're not in the same room, so we can't read each other's body language and, and experience the emotional ups and downs, but it's closer than me just leaving a comment on your photo and like, hey, nice job, Janin, love that. And, and yeah. I think that's what leaves social media wanting. I, I agree. And, and the one part of the book, he, he speaks to uh, a researcher that, that looks at um, uh, connectivity versus uh, conversation. And what she um, mentioned was that we can categorize sort of comments, those short sort of interactions on online as what she calls low bandwidth interactions. Um, so we get lots of that, but they don't actually go deeper. And then actually having more conversations real life conversations or what we're doing right now, having a chat about it or having, or having back and, back and forth with, with, with each other, even on platforms that can happen on, on some platform, but having this, those level of back and forth and conversation actually builds up what she called higher bandwidth. Um, and then as, as humans, we, I at least, I crave that sort of higher bandwidth communication as opposed to multiple widespread low bandwidth uh, communication and it's, it's, it's fascinating that low bandwidth conversation which is what social media is all it really gives you is it's like whipped cream i don't know it's it's kind of like it's great on the on the surface but it just it's not filling there's 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 nothing there. It's just this, this surface texture. It's not, it's not those, those meaningful connections that we as humans crave. And, and it's, ah, ah. <laughs> you know, Shelly, I, I, hope, I hope we're not coming across too, too hard on Instagram. I think, I, I, think I, I hope that at least if anyone who's listening, that um, what we're trying to do is, is, is point out the, the frustrations that, that we can have with the platform because of how it's designed. But ultimately, I hope at the end of the podcast, we can still see that we can actually pick and choose to how best use these platforms to serve our needs. And yeah, even though it is frustrating. <laughs> no, it's a really good point, Janet, because I'm not yeah. giving up on it. So, the, so some of the things that I eliminated from my phone is I eliminated Twitter and all my news sources, I mean, those were the big ones. And, mm. but I've kept, and I've took Facebook off. 
So it's just me, we, and, and Instagram. And kind of what I was thinking about when was about those two platforms and that everyone's on, well, the majority of the toy photography community is on Instagram. It's mm. kind of like where the hub is and there's a lot going on. But the people I connect with on a regular basis are all the people I've actually met in person. Those are the ones I, I feel like our connections are more meaningful. Yeah. But on MeWe, which people have, you know, we've had over 300 people come over and sign up and join the community and a fraction of them have stayed. There's none of the bells and whistles and the, um, the design elements that keep the dopamine hits flowing that are on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm wondering if that's a reason why people don't stay there. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think if I, I started, so you, you, you might be able to give a bit more insight than I do because when I started using Instagram, it was three years ago. And I think by then it would have changed quite a bit from when it started years before that. So I, I feel that MeWe probably looks like how Instagram was in the early days when it was, um, you know, for example, the chronological feed that you get, uh, that it's probably similar to how it was in Instagram. Yeah, it's fairly basic in, in, in terms of most people on it don't use the, um, the video function for um, stories and, and IGTV. So I think maybe it was probably how Instagram might have looked in the early days. Would, would, you, would, you, would you agree with that? I, I would agree absolutely that it's a, it's a chronological feed. The biggest difference though I, I, is that there's four different emojis that can be used on any one photo. Yeah. So by splitting that up for four, you never have a consensus of how many likes you've had mm. unless you can do some quick math. Yeah. So you never look at how many likes you got. And then I've noticed that the, the conversation is a little bit deeper on the photos, but to leave a comment, it's a two-step process. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of friction on that site. Have you noticed that? To leave a comment, it's a two-step process. Oh, yeah, I mean, you have to like click on the photo and then you have to scroll yeah. down yeah. and then click versus in Instagram, it's like it's super, there's no friction in, in the UI at all. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. And um, I, I think it also, it also begs the question of, of the like button. You know, I, I think we've gotten so used to, to clicking that, that like button then. Uh, one thing in the, that Carl mentions was he, he goes back in history a bit and explores how the like button came about. And from my own personal experience, I started using Facebook pre-2010 because that was when oh, my uni friends were, you know, had it and say it was quite interesting. So I jumped on it as well. And the people that I had on it were people that I knew, friends, family. You know, there was, there was no like button then because it was kind of assumed that whatever someone that you know posted, we kind of, you know, like it. That's why you want it appearing on your feed. And then when the like button was invented and the money started coming in because people were spending more time on it, it started being replicated across platform. And I think the like button, it's, it's, a, it's a funny one. In, in a way, it becomes a, you know, one emoji to express everything that you feel, which is not possible. Uh, I think maybe having that different options for, 
emoji. Sometimes, you know, we might post something on MeWe. We don't get a, a like button uh, or a, a heart button, but we'll get something else that's, that, that is different, that is um, more specific to the photo itself, which I find, you know, it, it doesn't replace words, but it, it takes away from that association and that dopamine heat that come with likes. It, it does definitely minimize what that like means. And then people, I, it's, th that like button is so frustrating because you can post a photo and whether people like it or they don't like it, either way, it's both pieces of information are completely meaningless because you don't know if people don't like it because they didn't see it, they don't like the figure, they were distracted, they have indigestion, or they're not feeling well, they like it because they like the character or they're just in a good mood and they're liking everything or they're just, you just, you just, it's just such a meaningless gesture yet people are like so fixated on how many likes they got. So, so it's the end of the year and, and this podcast mm. is going to come out in 2021, but just at the end of the year, everyone always posts their top nine, right? Yeah. Their top nine photos. Yeah. I'm, I've posted my bottom nine <laughs> because there's no difference between the two. Yeah, you're right. Because, because I, I think how it generates is you, you jump onto some website and then you type in your account and they generate the, the top nine most liked images, isn't it? And, and I, I don't do that uh, because I think it's not accurate. It's, it's really not an accurate representation. Because, for example, um, I mean, this brings in the uh, liking sessions as well that's on some accounts. Um, so if you post a photo in a liking session, naturally you probably get more likes than say if you post another photo on a non-liking session. So in terms of the top nine, it's, it's going to be, um, firstly, it's going to be inaccurate. And secondly, I, I think the value that you get out of your creation, it's going to be so different for you and not represented by the number of clicks on it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so true. It's just, it's, again, it's, it, it's, it's when you post, how you post it, who you're posting it to. And, but yet when you're on that platform and Facebook's the same way is your entire life revolves around whether or not you got en enough likes. But I love the, the quote in the book where someone had said that it doesn't matter what you post, and how it's received, it never seems to live up to what your expectations are. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with the like button. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was an interesting part of the book. And if I remember correctly, what he was saying is um, the, um, the, the phone has a slot machine effect. When we push down on it, it refreshes, you see the notification appear, how many likes there are. And whether someone likes the photo or not, it gives us the reinforcement. So if we swipe, refresh, we get extra likes on that. We, we feel something. If we swipe, we only get one or none. We feel something as well. So all that reinforces the, the behavior, the, 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 yeah, the dopamine effect, whether we get a positive or a negative reinforcement. And then you just feel like you're a rat in a cage it's in someone else's experiment. Yeah. <laughs> One of the other things that Cal talked in his book, which, which um, probably was the thing that resonated with me the most was unplugging and 
unplugging from your phone, from music, from podcasts, and other people's ideas always playing in your head and getting back to an, a, just a solitude, but not like a way. I mean, he's like, oh, it's, it wasn't like he was um, advocating for people to just, you know, become hermits, but to just move away from the noise and in mm. so doing, allow your own thoughts to bubble up. And as a creative, that one like that, that hit home for me. Mm. What about for you? Yeah, the, the idea of solitude, it's, um, I think it's something I, that resonates with me. And, and even before reading the book as well, it's something that we value at home with uh, Sarah, my wife and myself. And especially having two kids below the age of three, um, it does take up a lot of our time and energy. And what we realize is we need, we need me time. So we started doing something a few months ago where on, on a weekend, I would have two hours um, uninterrupted time to do, to do what I want to do. So it might be being in the study, taking photos or making something. Um, and for, for her, it's uh, usually spending time in the garden, two hours with the other would look after the kids. And then um, you can just have that time. So I find it really important because in times of solitude, when I'm doing something, and this is without the phone, this is being disconnected. Um, it just allows me to hear my thoughts a bit better. Uh, it's, it's funny how when shooting something, I, I start to reflect on stuff as well. Yeah, the brain needs me time, I, I reckon, to process. In, in one of the um, podcasts that you recommended to me before and, and to the uh, toy photography, me, we group was um, David Dushman's uh, Beautiful anarchy um, and in one of the episodes he talked about he talks about the, the social media being like a, a tsunami of information we just get bombarded you know whether it's news or just pictures or just so much information and and often we need to dial down the tap to a, a manageable flow and i think that that applies to me having him to you know that space what are your thoughts about that i thought that was a good episode and i know a lot of people probably when they listened to him talk about the fact that he was completely getting off of social media probably thought he was like a in fact he said he got a lot of comments on that one hmm. uh i i totally agree because i the last couple years have been super not anxiety i'm not prone to anxiety but i feel like i've been in a pressure cooker hmm. and by taking my phone and limiting what's coming in on it and I'm not turning it into a dumb phone but it's definitely a lot less interesting and I I pulled a Christina trick and I turned it black and white and I, like I said I took all the fun things off of it that it kept me entertained and it's now it's very dull and boring and I feel myself coming back to life in really interesting ways I feel like there's there's space and there's opportunity and ideas are bubbling up and I feel like I have time now I mean I've got extra three to four hours a day where I'm not like staring at the phone mm. so I'm all for turning that fire hose of information down to a drip just yeah. for one's sanity and, and you know it's um I, I was reminded of something actually um because a while back I, I did I, I saw a documentary and they were talking about how with kids these days, the access to information is, is almost limitless, right? You just Google and you get whatever information that you want. Um, so the issue is 
is that what the research has found is even though kids have more access to information, what has actually gone down is their ability to critically analyze information. So it's not about uh, the knowledge, it's about the wisdom in, in, in unpacking that. And what Cal mentioned in the book is that solitude actually does three things. One is it, it generates new ideas. Um, one is the second thing is you get to hear your own thoughts better. And the third one, which I felt really interesting, is actually having solitude times allows you to better connect with others. And I, I found from my personal experience that when I have, as a, as a, you know, as a family person, having that me time allows me to give better to my family. So that's interesting, isn't it? Solitude actually helps you create better and connect better. Yeah, no, it was really a great reminder about how you need to spend time for yourself to recharge your batteries. And by doing that, you appreciate your family and your friends more and are able to, when you're with them, be present. Do you remember when he was talking about some professor he knew who was like, to con so instead of just doing these low touch, um, low value connections through um, email and text or whatever, he would like, he told all his friends that, hey, I, I drive home at 530. So if you want to talk to me, call me then. Yeah. So, and then he uses that, his traffic time to connect with people in his community. And so I reached out after I read the book the first time and I reached out to all my friends who, you know, I haven't seen anybody since like last Christmas because I'm not even that social, even when there isn't a pandemic going on. And I reached out to all the people who I care about and I'd have to say 80% of them got back to me and we had conversations and it was awesome. And a couple of them I have set up as regular, like every, every two Wednesdays, I talk to my friend in California. I mean, we're having actual honest to gosh conversations and it's been wonderful. Oh, that's nice. It's, it, and it's that the time that you, you can, I think the amount of things that you can talk in, in 10 minutes on the phone on video call, it's, it's way more than what you can type out. <laughs> yeah. So all my friends know that I, I, I walk the dog around 7 p.m. And if they want to talk, call me. And if I'm available, I'll answer the phone. And, and it's worked out great. My sister calls me. My friends call me. So I'm trying to train my community to call me at 7 p.m. And yeah. we'll chat. And I thought that was a really good, you know, I don't, hack. I hate that word, but it seems to work here. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I use WhatsApp quite a bit with my family as well. And, you know, I, I, I find that there's this thing about having to be always connected and always having to reply at a certain time. You know, when someone messages me at, you know, 10 p.m. or something uh, because of the time zone, I feel this thing that I should reply. But actually, I don't have to unless it's an emergency. And it's, it's again setting those, um, I, I think we might talk about it later in terms of some of the strategies that Cal mentioned in the book, just setting some boundaries around how we use this device, how do we use this, these apps and technology to, to make us, to serve our needs better. And one of the one things that I found interesting, I, and I would like to hear your thoughts as well, is when we look at, say, Instagram as, as, as a platform, like I always wonder what are the things that actually keep me on it uh, other than the swiping and scrolling? Because there's the things that I find that take my time, uh, 
one thing is replying to comment. Do you reply to everyone's comments or some? How do you how do you how do you manage that? I reply to everybody's comment and I try to make it more than just an emoji or a thank you. Mm-hmm. I do tr- and I find it to be absolutely exhausting, so I don't post that often. I yeah, I found that because I usually would reply to everyone's comments because my thought was you know, someone took the time to comment, I should comment. And so there's this, I think, the human nature part of it to, to reply. But I found it just the task of doing that um, takes up you know, easily half an hour just, just doing that. Um, and so I, I'm actually really curious to, to find out that if any listeners uh, have their thoughts about this, you know, they can always put down in, in the, uh, the blog comment section about um, how do they feel if, if they don't get replies to comment or do they reply to everyone's comment? Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the things that I'm trying to, to, to change with how I use Instagram is do I reply to everyone or do I just reply when someone asks a question about certain things or maybe someone put a bit more thought into their comments before I can take the time to reply. So just being a bit more critical about how I use my time there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine if you're one of those people with a super uh, popular account that gets That's like, right. uh, you know, a hundred comments? I mean, I, I get maybe like t- on a good post, I might get 20 and that's an mm. hour of my time. Yeah. How many back? I can't imagine yeah. if I was popular, that would be like, ah. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like I, I, I can't imagine. So it was interesting because um, there was this other uh, YouTuber that, that, that does toy reviews. And I think um, a number of the action figure collectors would probably have seen his videos before. So his, his user is um, D amazing. So just the letter D and amazing. Um, and in one of the interviews that he did, he was just saying that he got burnt out because he get swamped by a lot of messages on Instagram and he would reply to everyone and it would just take hours. And eventually he realized that he just can't do that because he, he almost need to employ someone to do that. And he was taking the joy out of it. He was taking the fun that he had in, in doing this. So um, he had to set some boundaries around it and just make it quite clear to everyone. Um, so yeah, it's interesting how the platform designed to keep us on it, whether is it a big account or, or small account, there's this, this design around it. You know, I look at things like, uh, again, I'm just being a bit wary of how the examples that I give because I see good intentions in some of them, but I can also see how it's designed to keep us on it. So just being completely honest with some of the tagging that we get. You have been tagged for things. I've been tagged for things on posts or on stories. And I think if you look at it on one hand, there is the aspect of I'm connecting. I'm tagging Shelly in my photos because I want um, I want her to you know share her monthly favorites or I want to continue a chain mail of sort. On the other hand, I see of it as, you know, this is part of the design. This is one of the things that Instagram does, keep people on it, because now I'm having to continue this chain thing. Or who am I going to tag next? Maybe if I tag, then then that would, you know, work something in the algorithm to help us connect better. So there's all this thinking and time that I feel, wait a minute, this is taking away from what, I'm actually enjoying, which is the hobby itself of toy photography. (laughs) 
Oh, ah, you're like, you're, you speak my language, Janet, <laughs> because it's a wonderful hobby. And Cal also talks about what he calls the high value leisure. So when he says, because part of the conceit of the book is you get off of all this, this distraction, social media, news feed, a podcast, whatever it is that's taking up your time, you get rid of all that and you replace it with what he calls high value leisure. I personally feel that toy photography is a high-value leisure. And so this 100%. is where we get to the conundrum, which is yeah. our high-value leisure activity is on a platform that is designed to make us crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Shelley, I, I think this is a good point of the podcast because we, we probably talk about the, uh, the downside of things and, you know, the doom and gloom part of things for a bit. So I think the next half or so, uh, we can talk about the positive things that we can do. <laughs> yes, because I, 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 I mean, it's like, I, I, yes, okay, all right. I, I totally agree. It's like, okay, so now I've, I've eliminated all the doom scrolling, the, the Reddit, the Twitter. I've, and, and now I'm like, oh, my God, all these amazing photo ideas are popping up. I'm actually considering doing a 52-week challenge, which I've never done. But I feel like, oh, I've got all this time. Maybe I can do it. So, but and then I'm getting a lot of pressure that I'm supposed to do IGTV or reels. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. If I start spending all my time making videos and behind the scenes and, and this kind of stuff, I'm like, then that takes away from what I really want to do is just play with my toys and take some photos. Yeah. And, and I, I sometimes wonder, and I guess it's, I tend to question things as well. And I wonder, wait a minute, how did this trend get started? How did this trend spread as well? And like you said, IGTV is become the next thing, and TikTok was the thing as well. And I reckon, you know, all these are just ways and tools to keep us on the system. And it's just an expansion of the uh, the initial like button. I, I'm not sure if you remember this, but it was probably two three months ago. I posted a picture, and I titled it "Ponderings." It was it had it had um um Deku who's the main character in an anime, My Hero Academy. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting on a chair by the window. He had this um thought bubble above his head and he was writing down a notebook. And I, I posted that picture and the inspiration came from a conversation with Jason, uh Dr. Nevermore, about uh, a post that he, he shared. And in there he was talking about you know, sort of insights into the algorithm thing. Like, you know, if you click, if you don't click on any likes or comments, you you're, you might get a 10% exposure. But then if you click on like, you get a certain increase. If you comment, you get a certain increase. If you bookmark, you get a certain increase. If you share, you get a certain increase. So I was thinking to myself, wow, since when did it get so complicated, right? <laughs> and it was just insane. Like say IGTV, all that stuff, it's just different. I feel it's just different ways in which to capture our attention, the attention economy about of this platform. I, I agree. It's a game. It's like the like the, the, the tagging posts and, and like the tagging chains and the, the TikTok and the reels and and all this stuff to just keep you on. And then if you get your posts are are saved and shared, then you'll get broader reach. But then you, it's the question is for what value? Yeah, 
Exactly. To what, to what end, isn't it? To what end? And, and the only person I see who benefits from all of that effort on our part, your part, my part, the general community's part, is the people who own this company, which mm. would be Zuckerberg and stockholders, shareholders. Uh, we yeah. don't see any gain from that. And the other thing that Cal talks about, and also David Dusherman talked about this recently in one of his podcasts at the end of 2019, 2020, was mm. all, all of the benefits in real life that you get to push your work forward happen in real life. They don't happen online. Actually, this is a good question that I have for you about, because um, you are an artist and you make a living out of creating art. How do you find um, using social media or Instagram specifically serves that? Or has it helped? Has it not helped? Has it helped a bit? (laughs) Um, And just comparing to real world, I guess, marketing that you might do? It's a piece of the puzzle, but Mm. it is not the be-all, end-all by any stretch. And when people talk about Instagram and and whatever platform, it's all about how many followers they're getting. And the only meaningful bump I have had in my followers in the last couple years has been when I have partnered up with another larger company, either Lego or lens baby but for organic reach on my own it's been a zero-sum game for a very long time Mm. all of the opportunities i've had for selling my work has always been in the real world but none of those people i've connected with and sold with have most of them had never even doesn't don't even know that instagram exists they're just not on social media yeah, I know. We live in this little crazy little bubble, right? That we think yeah. that the whole world ex- is here. But if you step outside of that, all mm. the opportunities I've had for selling, like the stores that my cards are in, are personal connections. And, and honestly, even my Lens Baby connection was when somebody at the company saw my work at a brick convention. Yeah. I mean, it's every... every Every opportunity I have that I've had over the last five years, I can truly trace back to an, an in-person connection, not some random person finding me online and going, oh, we love your work. We want to work with you. That's like never happened. Mm. Oh, wait. Nah. Okay, once. I got one commission. I'll take that back. One commission. <laughs> Interesting. Because I, I think you met a guy from Crazy Bricks at a convention as well, isn't it? Yes. And that was real face-to-face, you put yourself out there in a space to meet other creators and the opportunities it, came up. Yeah, our, our relationship started with me asking him to sign his book. <laughs> I was fangirling him. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm sure it's this conversation that you had and from then that, that led to, you know, I guess shooting some of the, the, the promo stuff for what he does yeah Um, it's been a i mean we've been working together a long time but i bought i've always bought all of my mm. toys from him i mean he's super generous with giving me things as well but i'm i'm like always Mm. the first one on kickstarter supporting him buying uh whatever it is that he's selling and when i'm at his shows i'm like i'm buying what he has there as well uh so i'm i'm like a small business person supporting another small business person in, in that relationship but that so it's, it's built over time. He saw the mouse guard 
So I, my first mouse guard figures I got, I photographed them all and then I made him a book and a book for David Peterson and I gave them both the book as a thank you for creating these, this great world. And mm. that's how I kind of became friends with them. And that's, that, that is such a meaningful connection, isn't it? Yeah, I met them in life, in real life. And, and now, so now when I interact with them online, it's I'm interacting with people I know. So mm. that's why online is a piece of the puzzle, but it's not the be all end all. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that I found in the book is um, he is interviewed uh, people who use it as a business. And the way they approach it is very different. And I think, like you mentioned earlier, like um, in the Lego or Lenspade, so I'm sure the marketing people that operate their social media platforms use it strategically. You know, they 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 um, they put their content out there, but they're not going to be um, trapped in the doom scrolling process because they are using it as a platform for work. So their lenses would be quite different, isn't it? Yeah, that's a. I, I have a lot of mis. I'm, I'm torn. I mean, I'm really appreciative of all the opportunities that Lens Baby has sent mm. my way in the last six months, but I look at that more as a partnership. But I'm also taking the rose-colored glasses off and know that as an as a affiliate member, my job is to sell their product for them. I mean, yeah. if I if I want to get you know a percentage of someone's sales, I have to sell it. And yeah. so they're using this web of affiliates to game the system a little bit. So they're not paying for advertising. They're mm. supporting their create their most passionate creatives rather than supporting, say, the advertising model at Facebook. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does make sense. Yeah. So, so I'm just part of their advertising arm. Because I was trying to see how, um, you know, there is a role that Instagram might play in, in, in some businesses, and I think for those businesses, they would use it, um, you know, they, they would use it like how they would use it for, for work. They're not going to be scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. You'll just put their content out there and, and do that. Does it make sense? Yes. Yeah. And one of the things is he talks about in the book is using a, uh, a, um, a scheduler mm. for your posts. And I have gone to that. In the last couple of weeks, I have started using a scheduler, and and it's I, and it's costing me money. I mean, it's just one more monthly fee, which is annoying. But I look at that and go, well, what's my time worth? So now yeah. I can schedule my posts in advance, and I don't have to like I don't have to babysit them. So that's huh? so I'm I'm learning to manage it because I'm not going to mm. give it up because I think there's yeah. real value, and I've made. Yeah, yeah, yeah amazing connections and friends. Come on, Janet, I met you. Exactly. <laughs> I've been to Sarah's garden. I feel good about that. That's right. And, and you had, um, you had my daughter, Georgia, that, that photo bomb your, <laughs> your photo as well. I still have it somewhere. I, I, I run across it every once in a while. Mm. I mean, but that's, but that's the joy of the community is when we actually get together. And I think that's what makes the meetups so much fun. Yeah. wherever you are or whoever meetup you go to, it doesn't really matter who's hosting it. Is that you go to one and you put a face yeah. with the images. Exactly. Now I, I, I would like to actually take a, take a step back a bit. And because I think we, if we talk about this book, we have to uh, mention a bit about uh, the process of the declutter too. Uh, I think we touched on that briefly earlier, but I just want to share my experience as well. 
Absolutely. So the, the difference between a detox and a declutter, the detox is, you know, we cut away from it and then most likely we come back to doing it after that set amount of time. Uh, a de- declutter is, is, is removing the thing, evaluating how they might relate to our values and then have a different approach to it when we come back to it. So Carl Newport is also known as like the uh, Marie Kondo of tech. Um, and for those who are not aware of Marie Kondo, she is kind of the expert in helping people declutter their physical mess in the house. So a detox might be taking a vacation, but coming back to the mess, a, a declutter is clearing the, the items and the things that help us to just live uh, a, a clearer lifestyle. So the first step was about um, identifying what your values are. And I think that's the trickiest part of the process was, was identifying what are the things that are important to me. And then the second one is removing any optional apps on the phone. So optional meaning not required for, for work, for example, um, or for, for travel if we need to use maps, for example. And then the last part of the declutter is to decide which of these uh, apps I want to reintroduce and how they actually serve the things that are important to me. So like in, briefly for me, what, what, what's important to me specifically with, with toy photography, um, which answers the why I, why I do it is really about spreading positive images. And that has always been a thing that, that draws me to it, spreading positive images. And, and the second thing was, was the community aspect. So when I look at that, Miri was a no brainer because that's, that's that's um, that's the community that I'm involved with, and who, the community that I love being a part of. Um, and Instagram was reintroduced back because that's where that's where a lot of people are on, and that's where I feel it's still important to spread positive images. The other thing was reintroducing these apps also meant having to have some guidelines around it, you know some like what you are doing with your scheduler to, to post things out. Um, I had to really look at how I'm actually using this because I, I don't want to be doom scrolling. So um, what I have decided to do, first thing was actually calling, calling the list of people I'm following. Uh, so I, I, I did that because I wanted to see you know, pictures from, from people that I want to see. Yeah, because Instagram is dictating that and they're not allowing me to see a lot of images of people that I do enjoy. So I call that, um, that's one of the first things I did. Another thing I'm doing is actually checking Instagram on my desktop rather than my phone. Instagram desktop doesn't allow you to post. So I still post on my phone, but I do most of my checking there. And the design of the desktop is nothing like the phone where you get that you know, swipe effect, you get that engineering behind it. And, you know, just setting times during the week of which which days I, I would check, having some sort of timetable and fitting in my other leisure activities. So for example, Monday I might carve out a bit of time for crafting or shooting, but I'm limiting my social media time to twice a week. So that's some of the things that I'm starting to try out um and i think it'll be a 
an adjustment as well. But yeah, it made me more focused on what do I actually use this for and how do they serve the things that I value. It made me realize that you know time and energy that I spend on Miwi is is a is a high value thing. Those are all really good points that you made the who are you following and are those people important to you are those the images that you want to be seeing and limiting your your interactions on the desktop because you're right that 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 uh, interface is just so different it it doesn't allow itself to for the doom scrolling and i don't know what it is about me we but if you stick around and you actually start to interact with people and then and take advantage of the chat i mean there's and I, and I think our monthly uh, meetups where we like whoever's available shows up on Zoom is, mm. is helping just to, to solidify those connections beyond just people's photos. Just, I think that's helpful. Yeah, it was, it was fun the last couple of Zoom catch-ups that we had. Uh, it was 2 a.m. It was a bit early, but I, I, I mean, it was I so promise. much fun. <laughs> I promise the next one will not be 2 a.m. your time. I promise. Uh, it's all good. It's, it's nice and quiet at a time. I get to have time of reflection. Uh, but the last one was so fun. If we can talk about that a bit, we had the Secret Center uh, unboxing for those of us that had received our packages. And it just, you know, it just feels like we're in the same room sitting around a fireplace and Christmas tree unwrapping our presents. And that was nice. And I'll remember that more than you know, clicks. Yeah, it, it is the human connection. I think that, so when you talked about is MeWe similar to Instagram, you know, back in the day, and I think it's, there is in some ways there's some similarity, but the biggest part of it is it's just such a smaller community. And seven years ago when the toy photography community was just still small and it was like, I don't know, maybe 5,000 people worldwide and everyone seemed to know everybody. There's such mm. a huge overlap. You, you had the opportunity to make those deeper connections. Now it's, it's, just, a, it's just huge. And, and I too, the first, one of the first things I did with, on IG is I started uh, really looking at who I'm following and do I want to follow those people? Is, am, do I know them? Am I connected? Uh, am I interested in what they're doing? Are, are their values similar to my values? And, and it's, it's a slow process, but I'm, I'm culling down slowly. Yeah, same here. I, I'm not finished because it's just so hard as well. <laughs> it's, a, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. But it, and I think there's real value in digital minimalism. Yeah. But I think it's there's a real value in our high value leisure activity of toy photography. And I'm dedicated to, to threading that needle or walking that razor's edge to find the balance between the two. Absolutely. And I think I think the fact that we're talking about it, that we're we're, we're raising some of these points, hopefully you know, like I said, it's it's not that we are anti social media or anti Instagram, it's how we use it in the best way we can. So that it doesn't control us, because it's there's a difference between um, uh, the usefulness of it and the autonomy part of things. So it is useful, but we just not have to be careful that we don't let it control our time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and the fact that we're talking about this uh, makes us accountable, because now we are aware that this is what we think, and 
uh, I think that that helps as well the community aspect of just talking about this thing. Not everyone's going to agree with what we say, and that's fine. But hopefully there'll be some points in there or some awareness in some of these things. Aware that if you're struggling with knowing where the boundaries are, know that you're not alone. Because mm. I'm struggling, and okay. Jan and you're struggling. Yep. <laughs> so yep. would you recommend this book for, to anyone? Yes, I would. I would recommend this book. Um, and like, the, like some reviews on it, um, uh, pick and choose the things that, that work for you. And I think that's really good advice. It's just it's pick and choose. Some things are going to resonate. Others, you're just going to go, that's not realistic. And, but whatever you do, whatever choice you make, it's making it with intention, I think, is the important part. That's right. And that's probably a nice uh, plug as well for, uh, I think, your workshop that's coming up or maybe it would have started by the time this podcast came out about creating with intention. Yeah, it's, it's not about what you do, it's, it's how you do it. And the same with social media, it's not whether you're doing it or you're not doing it, because that is a personal decision everyone has to make for themselves. But it, it's how, whatever you choose, making sure it's to your benefit, you feel good about it, and it serves your needs. Yeah, I agree. Jana, this has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking about this fraught and somewhat divisive topic of digital minimalism. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Shelley. It's, it's a pleasure to talk about this. It's um, something that I find is important and I'm yeah, so happy to have the, this um, platform to talk about it. Thank you. And I will see you on MeWe and everybody else. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll bring you more creative ideas down the road. Thanks for listening and tell your friends and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more episodes or articles about toy photography, visit us at toyphotographers.com. The best way to connect with us on social media is on MeWe. Search for toyphotographers.com or find the link in the show notes. If MeWe's not your thing, visit us at Facebook, Toy Photographers, or on Twitter, at Toy Photo Blog, or on Instagram, at underscore Toy Photographers underscore. Thanks again for listening.